Welcome to our Monday Night Memories. Nate Barrett puts us, makes us, puts us up to all this with the Chariot Auto Group, and we are grateful for that. And we, if we get to this without any freezing uh, cells or, or anything else, we're going to be good. But we're talking tonight, Monday Night Memories, Old Oak and Bucket Games, and I wanted to do the math. I think we're pushing 180, 190 combined bucket games between this group. And uh, so we're going to have some fun talking a little bit about the the hist our histories and and every every bucket game is a personal experience uh, that's for sure. And I'm going to go around the horn and go back to to what your first in person bucket game memory was. It may and and if you can recall that first one that you went to and Nate, who was born in 1998, no, he was born in 1980, so he can he qualifies. I'm going to start with you. Uh, you had a memorable start to your first bucket game. Uh, well, it, I don't know if you said it was the 88 or 89 game, but well, fire one. My first year going to Ross Aid was 87, the Doug Downing uh, 100th anniversary year. But I was telling you off air, Alan, that uh, the one I remember really first is that 89 game uh, when they went to Bloomington and, and ruined the potential Heisman for Anthony Thompson and ruined IU's chance to go to a bowl game. That's the one that, that stands out. And I think if I remember correctly, some of the Purdue players might have had to apologize for a few statements here and there, but it was a big win for the Boilers. Mm. All I remember about that game, well, I remember a lot, but Eric Beatty, who was a linebacker, number 47 for Purdue, doing some dance. That got caught on tape uh, after after Purdue stopped because I think in Tim may remember this the best. They Indiana missed a very short field goal. They had a long kickoff return after Purdue took the lead and looked like they were going to get bailed out. Missed a short field goal, and then when he did that, Eric Beatty did some funky dance, and somehow I think the Indianapolis television station got a hold of that. But starting in '89 would have been better in '88 because '88 was a 52 to seven Indiana. When when Purdue's only score was on a fake punt, I think Ernie Schrummeyer had a had a pass or he'd have caught a pass, I think, on that one. So, uh, Tom Deanhart, uh, mm. you're just a couple days older than than Nate Barrett, but uh, <laughs> growing up in West Lafayette, Lafayette wow. area, what was your first game? Well, I'm a lot uh, more seasoned, I'll say, than Nate. One <laughs> Nate Barrett, the great Nate Barrett. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure I was at the game in 1982. That would have been my senior year of high school. But then I went then I went to college. And, of course, I remember 1984, uh, the bucket win that year to cap, you know, what was a fun season for Purdue that saw them get to the uh, – to get to the, the Peach Bowl that year was a lot of fun. And, uh, obviously, guys, 1986, you know, you know we're going to talk about 1986. You can't talk about IU Purdue bucket games without mentioning that year with Rod Woodson. The Superman game, I guess we'll call it, right? Um, super special. And and just a couple other quick ones that stand out for me. Were the 90, it was a 92 game as well when they intercepted Trent Green. Trent Green. Green. And that was a lot of fun, too, obviously. So I, I, we, got, we got a lot of time here. But those are a couple that jump in my head. But, again, probably for me, 1982. But 84 for sure would be my first one. Yeah, 1982 was a – Indiana win right and 84 I remember the funny story and Tim again you might have well you would have been in the area but they that was a game that they used to tape delay those games I mean watch it like on Raycom 
and Purdue, the game was going to be televised at 340 or like 345. The game started at 130. IU was winless that year, if you remember, under Bill Mallory. First year, Purdue gets behind that game 14 to nothing. I remember somebody, I think it was one of my SID brethren, uh, turned, uh, came next to me or, or wrote or looked to me and said, hey, did Purdue understand what time this game started? Maybe they started, <laughs> thought it started at 345. Purdue came back to win that 131 to 24, but uh, uh, an interesting one. They're all interesting. Tim Newton, uh, you had a memorable first one uh, back uh, back in your college days as well. Yeah, actually, actually, Alan, I think my first two were really memorable. 1979 yep. was down in Bloomington. Uh, that was Purdue's only 10-win season. And the Boilermakers went down and beat the Hoosiers, a really good Indiana team that year. And Mark Herman yep. got knocked out of that game in the second half. And actually, I think he had a concussion. And I remember um, – there was a big huddle around him and they were uh, this Denny Miller was on the sideline and they were putting up all sorts of towels so that nobody could see what was happening on the field. Because remember these, this was in the day that uh, not a lot of teams made bowls and, and we were still trying to kind of make our way up the bowl ladder. And they didn't want anybody to know because I think the bowl announcements were coming out the next day. They didn't want anybody to know how seriously Mark had been hurt. Uh, and Larry Gates came in and, and finished the game off. That was probably one of the most intense football games I've ever been to. And luckily, Mark was able to come back and, and he was able to quarterback the team to a to a win in the Blue Bonnet Bowl. The following year, 1980, uh, was the game that Purdue won 24-23. And it still holds the record for the single highest uh, attendance at ross Aid Stadium. And since Purdue had the bucket... Indiana needed a win to get it back. The Hoosier scored a touchdown. Lee Corso's son caught a touchdown pass with about 20 or 15 seconds left. And uh, the Hoosiers went for two because otherwise the you know, tie was not going to do them any good. Mike Marks batted down the pass. But a lot of people forget Indiana then kicked an onside kick and they recovered it. And the Boilermakers still were able to dodge the bullet and get the win. So those first two, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of hard to top those. And, and being from out of state, I really didn't understand the intensity of the Purdue Indiana, Indiana rivalry until I sat through a game at each stadium. And since then it's really been stamped indelibly into my memory. And, and uh, you understand now what this game means to the state of Indiana. Yes. It used to always be in the games in Bloomington, they would end in uh, fights always used to be always seemed to be down in Bloomington. I can remember some, some of those as well, but you're right. Some very intense game that 79 game was, I remember it being almost a 70 degree day. It was a gorgeous day oh, down there. Day. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and Purdue played very well and beat Indiana relatively soundly, but a, Tim Clifford, the quarterback for yeah. Indiana and, and a very good Indiana team that had what that won the it's bowl game, that holiday bowl game that year. And one of the greatest bowl games ever when they beat BYU, like a 39 so you know, you know we're talking a long time ago because we're talking about Indiana winning a bowl game. Yeah. So you know that's been <laughs> years, years and years. Doesn't happen All right, Kyle, you're you're up you're up next and and uh you certainly you're you're uh, date is close to Nate Barrett's in terms of your uh your seasoning to in the big in the old oak and bucket battle but to talk about your first experience. Well, now that I've given you a tour of my house as I try to find better. <laughs> uh, I think that my first game, at least my first memory of being at a game was the 1994 game. And I just remember being there with one of uh, Nate and I's mutual friends, another 
Harrison High School alum, Galen Clavio, who I think we all might know a little bit. He's down at the yeah. media school in, in Bloomington now at Indiana. Uh, <laughs> just watching Mike Allstott and Alex Smith run laps, I think. Mm. I mean, if you told me <laughs> right now that they combined for about 800 yards in that game, I would probably need to look it up, but I might believe you. Uh, it just was a, a crazy game in, in an era where neither team was all that great. But they had a couple of really good running backs, and it made for a for a pretty for a pretty good memory. So I guess it would have been what fifteen. It's possible I came to a game before that with my parents, but that's the game that really stands out to me as as an early one for my memory. Yeah, I think Alex Smith ran for two hundred and forty five yards in that game, and I don't know exactly how many how much Allstott had. Purdue lost. That was a bitter loss for Jim Coletto. Yeah, uh, all losses were bitter for Jim Coletto, <laughs> but the thirty three to twenty nine loss. But you know, you look at that game. Uh, I remember I was in Columbus, Ohio, that time, and trying to get radio and work. It was another. I think it was a nice day. I was doing doing some late, uh, early, late fall gardening out there and trying to keep up with that game in Purdue. Uh, as I recall, uh, I don't know they blew it at the end, but uh, Alex Smith got the best of Purdue, and Purdue started that year, if you remember, like four one and one, and ended up uh, finishing four four six and one or whatever the Boilermakers did. I think my first game, nineteen seventy, the first one I attended in person. And, and I and we were talking off air about the the couple times at Indiana, you know, it's the cream and crimson, and where they really wore cream colored uniforms. Nineteen seventy was one of those years. Purdue beats Indiana forty to nothing in that yeah. one, and Otis Armstrong goes over the thousand yard mark. It was a disappointing season for Purdue. Actually, they would finish first losing season in what fifteen or sixteen years under first year coach Bob DeMoss. Then 1983, we were talking about that game, the one year that Sam Weitz was the quarterback, or excuse me, the coach at Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, and they brought out those cream-colored, uh, uh, and they had a kind of a funky, Tom, you were talking about their 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 logo design for one year. Sam lasted one year and went to the Bengals, right? And then came Bill Mallard. So, but I do remember the intensity of it all. Uh, I do remember listening on the radio, 1971, uh, and and the, the, there was a fight after that game, and the band uh, they tried to take over the Purdue drum. As I recalled, Gary Danielson, noticed Armstrong, and company Purdue lost that one. Uh, and of course, I don't think I'll ever forget too the following year, '72, Otis Armstrong, his last run rush of his career, kind of a rainy day, runs rips off, I think a 64 yard run or so to, to set the all time Purdue single game rushing record. He broke his own 276 yards in that game. Uh, was an interesting one. Now, I want to go back and test all of you because one of the, they talked about that 1995 game, which is a little bit obscure in some mm -hmm. ways because it was a game played on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, Tim, were you on the radio? Was that your first year on the radio? That crew? was the first year on the network. Yep, 1995. Yeah, and, and so Purdue and Mike Allstott had 263 and a half yards rushing in about 14 minutes to go in the game. And I went back and looked at Golden Black. He's quoted as saying he he wanted out. I can't imagine because he did not break the Purdue single game rushing record that day. But you guys all have memories of that one. And and uh, Tommy, I remember you talking about that one. It's it, it just a, a unbelievable performance by Mike Allstock. Yeah, I was at my in-laws' house for. What was that, you, Tom? Tim, Tim, what, what do you recall about that? that well, it was a Friday game and it was unusual because yeah. of that. And I think, you know, not that they've been drawing a lot of people in, in Bloomington over the years, but it was a very poorly attended game. 
And it was just, it had a strange vibe to it the whole day. Uh, you know, Purdue had another losing season. So that was going to be it. And I, and I remember earlier that season in 95, um, which I think was Mike Allstott's senior year, uh, mm -hmm. I was behind Mike as we were getting on yeah. the plane. If you remember that the Boilermakers lost at Michigan that year, five, nothing in what had to be maybe the worst weather I've ever sat through for a football game. And I just remember I'm behind Mike and you've never seen a human being as dejected as he was, because this was his last chance in 95 to get to a bowl game and it didn't happen. So to see him come back then in the bucket game in 95 and, and really run like Superman that day, uh that that's uh that's quite a memory yeah tom we cut you off on that if you're hearing me on that uh, yeah you, any other recollections of that game yeah, just, you know just uh just uh <clears throat> having your jaw hit the ground when you saw some of the runs where it looked like before yeah. he was going to be down and he yes. somehow stayed up stay you know off the turf and shed tacklers and had these long runs, run these gigantic shoulder pads. I mean, something <laughs> like that of a comic book or a superhero movie. Just, I just remember being dumbfounded and awed by, by his strength and power that day. It was really a special afternoon for me. Yeah, no question. Kyle, uh, in, in your days of in college, you talk about the 2000 game. We always question your uh, Intelligence. Well, your intelligence is high, but to the fact I think you said you weren't was shirtless in the 2000 game, the Rose Bowl game, 38 degrees. We were talking about the, one of the coldest days in Ross Age Stadium. I'm not going to ask you why you were shirtless in that. Well, maybe it's because you're going to the Rose Bowl. I'm not sure, but uh, talk about the memories of that game in 2000. And it was Montreal low on the same play for what 27 consecutive plays or whatever it was. But what do you remember from that? Well, my my memory is freezing. Uh <laughs> more, than, more than anything uh my friends and i because that was my senior year at purdue um we dressed up as what we called super fans all season we had <laughs> ridiculous costumes that we wore that involved suspenders painted chest no shirt a little beanie hat with a propeller on top and, <laughs> and long socks i mean we looked really good we happened to know someone who worked in the ticket office and back then it wasn't festival seating uh, like it is now. So then you actually got tickets for the front row, which we had. Mm. And so for the Indiana game, we were down there. Um, everyone took our picture. We were, if you go back and look at, at Golden Black, you know, before I worked there, we were in the center spread of Golden Black. We were, our picture is uh, subset under Drew Brees on the front of the Journal and Courier. Uh, we're underneath there. Um, John Terhoon took our photo. Uh, we were made fun of on college game night, which I think was the name of the ESPN show. Uh, I think we're on the cover of the Indy star. So it was, uh, it was a, it was a good game. Obviously, you know, you know, the outcome and why we were all there and, uh, bearing the cold there for that game. But yes, Montreal low running the same play over and over again, uh, for the Boilermakers. And then the, the scene on the field afterward was just, uh, one, I think that you'll always remember really. The, you can remember every moment of, of every home game from that season culminating in, yeah. in that point on the field uh, after the game. So to be, uh, you know, a Purdue student at that time and to have invested uh, our own health in, in, <laughs> in, in watching them play, it, it certainly uh, was a fun time. We actually wore those stupid costumes to the Rose Bowl uh, then also. Um, so... And, and later we were on a video game. 
actually in like 2003. We were in one of the EA Sports NCAA, uh, one of the last ones before it got all shut down. So that was sort of fun too. No, well, NIL. Wait, so you didn't have name, you didn't know name, image, and likeness. No NIL. Though, so you didn't get it. <laughs> Tim, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to ask him, who's your who's your agent there? You, you yeah. know, had an opportunity. <laughs> well, so it's funny. It, EA Sports paid us to be in that video game. We got like uh, $200. Of course, they were using players' images and couldn't and could not pay the players. But us as, as random stupid fans, uh, we could get paid <laughs> to be in the video game while, while the players who, you know, people actually care about were not being paid. It's great. Now, Nate, in your days, in, in your college days, and, and working with the SID, et cetera, I don't know, did you go to like the 99 and 2001 road games, which were yeah, both I, memorable games, I, one not so memorable for Purdue, <laughs> but talk us about your college experience in the bucket to uh, – well, in 99, that was the first time that uh, Tom Schott and Jim Vrujink let me as a student tag along. And at that time, Tim will remember uh, you were staying out on some old resort on Lake Monroe. And uh, you, could see, you could see Drew Brees and uh, you know Jim Chaney and everybody in suits walking through everything in the parking lot before the game. Then we get in the bus. And, and I'm like, that's the moment for me that you move from a fan to being part of it because you're you're working as a student SID and you feel like a part of it for the first time. And so they win, of course, on their way to the Outback Bowl. But two things stand out from that game. One, we get on the bus, the three or four Purdue football buses, and we roll out of, of Memorial Stadium and come around that back street behind the press box. And at whatever frat, sorority, apartment was directly behind the press box, there were 50 to 75 IU students giving us a particular signal as those buses <laughs> made their way back toward West Lafayette, telling us we're number one. And You're number one. We're number <laughs> one. And then I remember uh, getting back to Mackey in the old SID office, and Jim Vrujink that night was in charge of the bucket and opening the case and letting me you know, hold the bucket for a minute and actually mm -hmm. see what it was. I don't know you know, if a football ops person has it now or if the head SID, but at that moment for me, like holding the bucket in my hands was just, it, it made everything real for me. And then in 2000, while Kyle was shirtless, I was on the <laughs> roof. I was running, you know, when Tim and Joe McConnell and, and Pete were on the roof in those four booths that were on the roof. And I was just a student stat runner for the home games. And so just being in the atmosphere that night, uh, being around it. And then at the end of the game, when Nancy Cross is coming through, handing roses to to people that were still in the press box. And then just from the roof vantage point, seeing everybody pour onto the field and then the post game, uh, you know, rally in the South end zone. I mean, all of it's unforgettable. Mm. Yeah. Very, very surreal uh, to say the least. All right, we wanted I, one other game that I think, even though it was a Purdue loss, it was a crazy game. And Tim, I, you were, I'm sure, were there in Bloomington working it. I don't know that anybody else was there. 2001, we kind of hit it at the crazy rain game where Joe Tiller was so mad because they couldn't make a yard. Montreal Lowe gets caught at, at the end zone. It was, in effect, was kind of the end of Montreal Lowe's career, though he really, I guess, maybe the Notre Dame game the following year was. But, um, 
you know, this, the, the, the crazy things, and maybe the theme of upsets, the greatest surprises that you remember in this series, uh, that was, even though Purdue was actually, as Kyle, I think, looked up, was an a underdog in that game and lost 13 to seven, uh, but uh, as I recall, but talk about that in terms of the greatest surprises that you remember, uh, Tim, in terms of uh, the bucket, and we'll start with you and go around the horn. Well, that 2001 game, I remember because the Montreal got stopped on a goal line stand. I also remember it was probably there were two games that stand out in my life as the hardest rain I've ever seen. One, I was down in, in Raleigh in 1993 when Purdue lost to North yeah. Carolina State. The rain that day in 2001, um, I was producing then. Joe McConnell was was still doing play by play. And so I had a constant communication with our sideline reporter, who at the time was a guy named Brett Schetzel. And Brett mm -hmm. is down there in the weather conditions and I'm talking to him and I'm kind of laughing, not really with him. I'm kind of laughing at him. And he was getting more and more and more upset as the day went on. Cause I said, I don't think the heavy stuff's coming down for quite some time. <laughs> the, old, the old Caddyshack line. Um, I, I, and for a quarter, for a whole quarter, you, we could barely see the field. It was raining so hard. Um, and then, you know, Purdue loses that game. So that was, that was a big shocker. Um, yeah, I don't know from from an upset standpoint, like, you know, as, as we've talked here, Purdue has been favored in most years, at least in most of the years that I've been here. Um, so it wasn't an upset. It was an upsetting game the year that uh, the Indiana kicked the late field goal to, to play 13 for Hep. And, and that was, you know, that was that was an intense game that really Purdue had trailed the entire game, got it back tied late. And then and then they came down and kicked the field goal. But um yeah, for the most part, I, you know, I have to say on balance, most of the memories I have for the bucket game are pretty positive ones. Yeah. Kyle? Well, the two other ones, and I don't know if we're going to get to Joe Tiller's, uh, you know, final game, obviously. That's, yeah, that's no doubt. Uh, I've, <laughs> this game is memorable to no one but me, I think. I was at the, I was there in the stands at the 2003 uh, Matt Lavecchio game. Uh, yeah. He was horrible. And that was just a bad, bad game. It was Kyle a bad Orton. Purdue game, too. Yeah, Kyle Orton wasn't very good in that game. Uh, Matt Lavecchio couldn't hit the end zone if he was standing in it. Um, it, it was it was not a good showing by either quarterback. Purdue won that game, but man, it, there was probably, I don't know, 15,000 people in the stands and, and 10,000 of them were Purdue fans. And it was just uh, a not very much fun. Obviously, the you know the the Joe Tiller final game and his his farewell speech is one that you know all of us standing down there on the field, um, you know me at that time with with Golden Black and uh, there to cover it. But what a, what atmosphere that was! The game was a runaway, obviously for Purdue, but um, just to be there in that in that moment with him and and um, in the what North end zone and, and listening to him talk and the emotion of that was just, uh, I think a memory that probably all of us have. Yeah, really well said. You know, th that game was what we were talking about the game last week being a starting temperature under 30 degrees. It was extremely cold that day under 30. And it was a game again, I think after Thanksgiving, I believe. And yet that place was full uh, and Purdue wasn't very good that year. Indiana wasn't very good. Of course, Billy Lynch gets fired after that game, and Purdue put a little 62 to 10 
job on that. I think that that's a, that's about as memorable as it gets. Tom, uh, what what do you talk a little bit more, maybe about the '86 game or whatever one that yeah. uh, floats your boat from that standpoint? Uh, yeah, that that was special. You know, coming out and I guess warming up in black jerseys, going back in before kickoff and coming back out wearing the gold jerseys was a real unique uh, unique experience for hands and really charged up the crowd in what had been a pretty dreary uh, final campaign for Leon Burton. And I think he was a lame duck coach by then yeah, he too. Was. Fired two weeks that was the one and only year Jeff George <laughs> was the quarterback at Purdue too. But yeah, that, that game in 86, you know, again, Woodson running, catching, playing D back, taking back kicks, the likes was which we may never see again, play for Purdue university. Uh, one of the greatest football players ever. And, um, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about the, the 1992 game. Yeah. Um, just an electric, crazy end of that ball game. Uh, very good IU teams back in that era, right? They were really had it going at that point. And uh, I don't remember the total sequence, but Jimmy Young, I remember, picked off Trent Green very late. In the end zone, yeah. In the end zone. And it was uh, it was just a nice win for a Purdue team that was really struggling early on in the Jim Coletto era. And to beat a, what was, like I said, a very good Indiana team at that point, too. And, guys, real quick, going back to that 1989 game, you know, I talked to Jim Schwantz about that about a year or two ago. And they had some shirts printed up that, that, he, that he talked about that said, no Heisman, no bucket, no bowl, and then no <laughs> SHI, what, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and they, they, if you talk to anybody of that era, you know, Frank Komet, Jeff Scanino, all those guys, um, <laughs> They always talk about that T-shirt that they had for that special 1989 game. So, yeah, for me, 89, 92, 86, you guys have hit on a lot of them, too. Um, I think we've emptied our bucket pretty good. You know, the 2018 game, for being a little bit more recent vintage, um, I guess actually those two years of 17 and 18 both, too. They were five and six, needed to win. I just remember being in Bloomington in 18 watching Rondell Moore Mm-hmm. A big game and, and Purdue getting the win and getting bowl eligible for a second year in a row was was a game again a more recent vintage that sort of sticks out for me. Yeah, yeah, you can't make us, Tom. Change. You know, There's only one person that's made us have to put the special disclaimer on for YouTube. That was Vinny Sutherland, Nate, <laughs> in our last Monday Night Memories. Uh, but luckily, you didn't go there. Only Vinny gets. Vinny, it, we call it the Vinny tag. But I, I think you're right on that one. I, I do think that uh, um, you, you look at the, you look at some of those games, even the 2004 game, also with Kyle Orton and Taylor Stubblefield, just to, just scoring at will, putting 62 points on him after a very disappointing stretch. You know, Purdue had beaten Ohio State the week before, but that was the year that Purdue started out five and zero. Oh blah, blah, blah. But to, to beat Indiana in that, in that light, uh, was also very, very memorable. Um, I think too, you know, you look at some games that, that, uh, uh, cost coaches their jobs, 1976. Also Alex Agassi goes and loses to Indiana. Uh, and that was the days when you didn't expect coaches to get fired really. And he got fired after that game. Uh, Lee Corso, uh, I think after it would have been the 82 season, right? Loses his job after, after beating Purdue. And, uh, and that was a surprise as well. There's a real good backstory that we would have to take our, our, 
R-rated ver version of how that all came about. Some of you know that story, some of you may not, but we'll, we'll share it with you some other day. It's a little bit of hearsay with about the great story of Lee Corso. But no, I think I some, some unbelievable. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle's dropping Matt Lavecchio. Yeah, Lavecchio is huge. <laughs> great, deep cut, great deep cut. And I, I, I mean, let me think of another deep cut IU quarterback, the 1996 game, Jim Coletto's last game. He was a lame duck too, Chris Ditto. Chris Ditto. Remember, I think the game before Purdue beat Michigan at home. Yeah, the, the last game, two weeks before. That's right. And then turning they lost to IU. I remember Chris Ditto was about a six foot six quarterback, came in and just wiped, wiped Purdue out. And what was uh, Jim oh, and Purdue? Last, probably a fitting way for Coletto to go out. Purdue had so many turnovers that game, as I recall. And I think they outgained Indiana something fierce and let that go. I remember too. And I don't, now I'm trying to think of the kid's name, 1997. Joe Tiller produced, and I and remember, and I was, you know, with, with Golden Black, obviously still am, but uh, we were on the field waiting to go to the post-game press conference, and Purdue's up 49 to 7, and I think it was, I cannot remember, it was a, a walk-on running back yeah. and that, that goes around right in, and yeah. like, Jim Cheney wants they want to put 50 on them and they're, they're talking about that. And, and, but they didn't expect it. And I cannot think of the kid's name. What was his last that. name? Graham. Yes. Tariq Graham. Right. There you go. And God, oh, that's great, Tim. And anyway, he runs around right in thinking there's no way he's going to go. And he goes all the way. <laughs> and I, and I just remember how Jim Cheney, I guess Stan Jim was one of my favorites anyway, just standing is laughing his a double, you know, what off, as uh, Purdue had put 50 points on Indiana. That game was actually close in the first half, if you might remember. Purdue beats them 56-7. to seven. Everybody thought Purdue was going to Tampa after that. And of course, they end up going to the Alamo Bowl and beating Oklahoma State. But uh, uh, that was a memorable one of one of those strange instances in the, in the uh, tournament. And then I think one other play, maybe my favorite play, and I, you guys all remember this one, though I'm not sure exactly where Tom would have been, in 2006, the Jake Stanford play, um, and 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 again a game that was very close in in Ross Age Stadium. Purdue beats Indiana that day, but the Stanford you can go watch it on YouTube if you if you haven't uh, can't remember the hustle that he made and the play that he made on that. Not Tim, I don't think you were doing play by play at that point, but uh, I'll start with you with your memory of that play or what you recall from it. Well, I remember watching it live and then, and I, I was hosting uh, when they had the downtown gridiron clubs so yeah. the following Monday, we went in and, and Joe Tiller told everybody in the place. I, I said, if you want to see what epitomizes the old Oak and bucket game, I want you to watch one player on this play. And he ran it over and over and over again. So people could see the play that Jake made. It was a play where Indiana got a turnover. It looked like they were going to run down the field for a touchdown and Jake, trailed the guy, I don't know how, how long he chased him, 70, 80 yards, and stripped the ball away. And if I remember right, the ball goes out of the end zone for a touchback and Purdue gets the football back. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's part of the, the charm of, of the bucket game in any rivalry game. Uh, players that you maybe have never heard of or players that have been uh, very uh, far down on the roster, all of a sudden, when the time comes, they find their moment in the spotlight and they seize it. Yeah. Kyle, I, you don't have to talk about, about that, but if there's a play. Not, we've not mentioned Rob Ninkovich. Oh, yeah. Speaking of speaking of guys who, who you know, make a name for themselves. Now, Rob was a good player, obviously. But, man, what do you have, eight eight sacks in right. two games? In the last he two games, two bucket games. 
Yeah, he made a a, a ten year NFL career when he won like two Super Bowls out, <laughs> out of his dominance of Indiana. I mean, that, that, you know, that's just a, an amazing individual effort in in two seasons by one guy. All right, Nate, uh, you're you're swiping it, it obscure, and if it's if if it's Stanford, that's fine. But there's something else that uh, rings your chimes in terms of the, your your memories of this series. Well, I was just going to share with you uh, my two things. One, my my first time getting to do a, a fill-in role for Rob, being with Tim and Pete for the bucket game was 2013 in Bloomington. Danny Etling running around in that one. <laughs> didn't work out. Purdue's way, but Danny was running for his life the whole day. And, uh, you know, at that moment, you think that he's just getting started as the future of Purdue football at the quarterback position. And the other one I was going to share, Alan, as we record this today, uh, first bucket game today, November 21st, 1925, ended in a deadlock. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> there you go. That's good. You pull that one out. That, that That's a good one. Tim or Tom, yeah, you're up next. Any other ones that you haven't covered that you want covered at this point? No, I think you guys hit it all pretty well there, honestly. Um, I think we've emptied, at least I've emptied my bucket um, <laughs> from all my, my good memories that, that I can recall and uh, just a lot of great names. And I, I never, never uh, you know, overlook a chance to, to look down memory lane for, for most anything as I get older. And talking pretty IU bucket games is always one of my favorites. I think mine, uh, Tim, which really Tim much more involved than I was Joe McConnell's last game in, in, and that was 2009. 2009. Al Tariq McBurse, who would ever forget that? He had a, he had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, that was inconsequential as compared to Joe's last game and, and your memories of that. Yeah, we had uh, we had known for a while that this was going to be Joe's last season. And so I had reached out to all of the other broadcasters around the Big Ten and some of the national broadcasters and asked them to record something. And then we had pulled together. So coming out of every commercial break, we had a Joe McConnell highlight from the years. And then we would have somebody talking about him. Uh, the, he got a uh, he was named the Sagamore of the Wabash that day. And the person who gave him that was the then Indiana governor. Mr. Yeah. Davis who was up in our booth. And I just remember for all of us trying to keep the whole thing together. And especially at the end, uh, when Joe started to thank people, I looked at Pete and we couldn't make eye contact with yeah. each other because it was, uh, it was pretty emotional for all of us. And Joe had been with us for 15 years and uh, it was the end of a hall of fame career. And that's a day. And, and the fact that Purdue won the game fairly handily uh, took all the drama out of it there. So yeah, that was a, that was one, and I still, I think somewhere I still might have a tape of that game, and uh, I, I, I every once in a while I have to pop it in just to hear what it was like. Well, and I think you put it well, and Joe McConnell is kind of a, the, again, maybe epitomized also this this series from Goodland, Indiana. That game meant something to him because it goes way back to, you know, to the 50s, 40s, you know, all the way back that uh, this this game is was we all might agree it, it doesn't compare to Ohio State, Michigan. It's played on the same day. We it's 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 its own little private entity in football, but it does mean a lot and and a lot of fun to to remember. I do remember that was the first time I think I met uh, Mitch Daniels again as the governor. And I also remember how small, and we're going to be in that booth again on Saturday, <laughs> how small yeah. that radio booth is. There'll be a lot of us up there too. You know, the, other, know. Thing about, the other thing about Joe, he had a prepared statement at the end. In the 15 years I worked with him, it was the first time I had ever seen him write something down in advance. And Joe's ability to paint a picture from the top of his head 
was was amazing. But this was one he wanted to make sure he didn't forget anybody. And I think he also knew that he might be a little bit overcome with the emotion. So it was he didn't read it word for word, but he he was pretty much sticking to the script for that last couple of minutes. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, a lot of great moments. We could go on for two or three hours on this one because there's just a, a lot of fun memories and uh, always, uh, always uh, the game really rarely disappoints, at least in terms of something strange happening or something uh, consequential happening, even in the blowouts. Uh, there's usually something that uh, is memorable about Purdue, Indiana. Of course, the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers will be facing off noon, not noon, uh, at 3.30, I should say, on Saturday this week. I think we all wish it was noon, but it is at 3.30, and uh, we'll look forward to that as well. All right, guys, thanks so much for your time. I always enjoy uh, I enjoy visiting with each of you, even when we're just talking off the record. That's a good thing for me, but I want to thank uh, Nate Barrett and the good folks at Chariot Auto Group as well. Uh, this will be in the Hall of Fame of, of media history, I'm sure, but we appreciate that. And look also, Kyle's writing a story and I, and I, about, the, about the 10 biggest upsets in the Purdue-Indiana series. We didn't really get to that. There have been some interesting ones over the years, but uh, this is, uh, I think we hit a lot of different topics on this. So guys, thanks again so much for your time. And uh, we'll see, uh, I don't know what Nate and I are going to come up with for December for our Monday night memories, but we'll come up with something fun to do. And uh, we appreciate all of you watching and listening.